Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. God's Word. Read it out loud with me from Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, For those that might be visiting with us, my name is John Spolino. I'm the family pastor here at Fairview Church. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, If you are a regular uh, kind of attender or member here, Welcome back. Uh, It's good to see you guys. Today, we are finishing and concluding our sermon series on disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean that he is our rabbi, our teacher, our philosopher, the one who impacts the way that we live? The first week, we talked about the disposition of a disciple, sitting at the feet of Jesus and trusting him and listening to him. That's the first and foremost, the thing that you have to do as a disciple is listen to his voice and cherish his presence. Then we talked about the disciplines of a disciple, the practices of a disciple. Then we looked at how Jesus challenges our belief system and he challenges his disciples to make sure that what they believe is in tune with his character and his word. Last week, we looked at the beginnings of what it means to be his witnesses in this culture. And today, what we're going to be doing is looking specifically at Fairview Church and asking this question, what does Fairview Church consider to be a growing and successful, mature disciple? Whether or not you know it, if you're a regular attendee or member here, you are on a pathway. You are on a pathway of growing to become more like Jesus and our church has identified not only through our mission statement, but through five marks of a disciple, of what it means to live in true freedom, what that looks like in every person. And so we say these are the five things that we really believe that growing disciples engage in. You may not know that, but if you come to our church here, you're already on that pathway. If you're new with us this morning, you could not have picked a better Sunday. It is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to be walking through a text like we normally do, but we are going to be looking at our mission statement and those outcomes, what we believe a disciple is supposed to be about. So if you're looking for a church home, this will be really helpful for you because it is describing what we as a church value when it comes to discipleship and what we want to see in our disciples. For some of you, you will hear some of these things and think to yourself, ugh, I don't really do well in that area. Well, guess what? You're not going to be 100% in any of these areas. But it'll allow you to take some stock and evaluate and say, I might need to make this more of a priority in my life. For some of you, you might hear some of the things that we're talking about. You're saying, wow, I know that I do that really well. Well, guess what? You just revealed to yourself a spiritual gift that God has given you to use for the body. And so I hope this will be very helpful for us this morning. Have you ever started a project but lacked instructions or the clarity on some instructions before? Have you ever tried to put together a kid's playground 
without instructions or with lack of clarity. How many of you have ever done a kid's playground before? A bunch of you. Yeah, it's, listen, I don't condone passive aggressiveness, but if you want to, here's what you do. You buy someone a play, kid's playground for Christmas and take the instructions out of the box before you give it to them, all right? That is like the worst thing you could do to somebody because it's difficult, even with the instructions, right? So we, a couple years ago, our first playground that we got for our kids, um, they pre-drill the holes and then they send it to you. Well, they forgot to do it on some of the, the, the boards. So we were trying to figure out like, what's this board for? And eventually it just came to the point where we were like, hey, this can't be the intended purpose of this board. So we're just gonna make it our own. And we just kind of make shifted it all together. Like we just like, this board looks good here. Let's drill a hole here, put this thing here. Let's go to Lowe's and grab this thing. We were just kind of putting it all together, hoping it wouldn't fall apart. Now here's the deal. Christians sometimes can have that same perspective. They have a vision of what they know it should be like. They give their life to Jesus. Maybe they follow through in baptism. Maybe they know that they should read the Bible and pray. But beyond that kind of framework, they're like, what's the instructions for after that? How do I actually grow in my faith? How do I actually grow in sanctification? How do I grow to become more like Jesus? And they can tend to have a picture in mind, but not the steps how to get there. This is Fairview Church's way of giving you those steps. This is our way of saying, here's what we expect from growing disciples. And so if you find yourself weak in one area, we want you to challenge yourself to grow in that area. And if you find yourself doing well in an area, we want to encourage you to use your gifts in that area. The whole purpose of today is to show us what our mission is as a church that is contextualized to Fairview. We just read the Great Commission, going and making disciples of all nations, Our way of contextualizing that here at Fairview Church is through our mission statement, which is reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. So let me talk about three elements of this mission statement before we get to the five marks of a disciple. The first is the neighbor's peace. Neighbors can mean those right next to us, or it can mean Everybody. We think about the Good Samaritan when he says, Who is your neighbor? Well, it was the people that were the enemies at the time. It was the, the Samaritan that ended up being the good neighbor. So your neighbor is everyone, not just the people that live next to you. And here's why this is helpful because some of you, which I have noticed the past four and a half years of living in Lebanon, like your privacy, you like your land. Listen, there's no fault. Land is nice. Having acres in between other people can be great. So this is not a knock on owning land or being separated from your neighbors. It just means it's a greater challenge for those who have that to be a good neighbor. Now, here's the deal. You can be a good neighbor if you don't even know your neighbors, if they're too far away from you, because you can go out to the same place and eat regularly and develop relationships with the people that serve you. You can go to your grocery store and be a good neighbor by reaching the person that serves you there. You can be a good neighbor by hearing the needs of people that are going around you and meeting those needs. There's a lot of ways to be a good neighbor, but first and foremost, what we want to ask is this question, are you a good neighbor? Is that something you're good at? Or is your disposition to say, 
I just want to have as many acres in front of me as to the next person that's, that's there. And I want to have as much distance as possible because I don't want to deal with other people's mess. Unfortunately for you, Christians are in the business of dealing with people's mess. We are in the business of being good neighbors. And sometimes that means getting in our neighbor's mess because they need us to. They need us to help them. They need us to pray for them. They need us to be engaged with them. And so are you a good neighbor? The second thing in this mission statement I want us to look at is the word reaching. Reaching is not a passive verb. You can't reach for something and just sit there. Like I got this pen right here. While I wish the force was real, all right, I cannot just do this and hope for it to hop in my hand. I actually have to go across and reach for the pen. There's a reaching. It's it's an active verb. God reached down from heaven to save sinners like you and like me. Jesus crossed barriers in order to become a human being for us so that he could live a perfect life, die on a cross, conquer sin and death, be raised again, crossing another barrier that you and I could not do. He conquered death. He rose again and he says to his disciples, go and do likewise. Go and cross barriers with my message. That means that all of us are in the business of reaching across our own boundary lines that we've put up, our own comfort levels that we've put up, our own political affiliations that we've put up, all the different things that we've put up to kind of keep ourselves contained. We say, no, God has called us to reach across those things and bring the message of Jesus to those that are there. Lastly, what I want to look at is this true freedom and full surrender peace. The irony is that the more we surrender to Jesus, the more we surrender to God, the more freedom we can experience. Now, this is opposite of our modern day understandings of freedom. We think freedom is just doing what you want when you want it. Listen, sometimes I have a problem with freedom. I have a terrible HOA. They're awful. Okay, any amens from similar people, right? I got, I got a couple in the first service, all right? Listen, sometimes I want to express that freedom. I want to do what I want, but that's not the type of freedom the Bible's talking about. The freedom that the Bible describes is that at one moment we are held captive by Satan. We are captive by the evil powers that are there. We are captive by our flesh. We are literally capt- captivated by those things. We are slaves to those things. And what scripture describes is that Jesus comes in, he redeems us, he purchases us out of that captivity to be made what? Our own individual people doing what we want at all times? No, to have a new master, to have a new person that we are accountable to, to look at his way of living. We have a new master in this world. That is what a disciple is. So when we talk about freedom, we're not talking about just doing what you want. We are talking about a freedom that only happens when you are actually living the life you were intended to live. Let me use an illustration here. We got this piano right here. Now, Imagine my four-year-old Mason comes up here and he just starts smacking the piano, right? He's just playing. The first minute you're like, oh, that's kind of cute, you know? After 10 minutes, 
you want to like rip your hair out, okay? Because it's, you know, it's just obnoxious. Now, here's the deal. Some of you look at Mason banging the piano and you think, look at how much freedom he's expressing there. Well, imagine right after he gets done, Devin walks up here and he starts playing this like beautiful sonata or something. You would say, wow, look at the freedom Devin has to play this music because he knows what this piano is intended to be used for. Who's really free to use this piano in the way that it was intended? Mason or Devin? You would say, of course, the one who has spent the years in discipline to study how music works, how the keys work together, how this music's supposed to go. They know how this instrument is supposed to be used. And so therefore, they actually have a lot more freedom in playing this because they know what's going on. As Christians, we all start out banging the piano. We give our life to Jesus. We're like, hey, I know I need to pray. I know I need to probably read my Bible. I probably need to serve somewhere. We all start banging the piano. But what Jesus wants from us is to learn actually how to play. He wants us to learn how to actually sit down and create music. He wants to sit down and use our gifts. Why? So that we can actually be used in the way that he created us to be. And so we do that by surrendering to the Lord and experience his freedom. And these five marks that we're about to walk through are the five marks of true freedom. If you want to experience that true freedom to be who God created you to be, to be the disciple that we consider as growing here at Fairview Church, these are five areas that we want to see in your life. The first is this, life with God. Life with God. In each section, by the way, if you're a note taker, you're gonna love today. I got a lot of notes. Um, life with God, I've given you a word or two words to kind of describe what were the attribute that we're looking at. And then I've given you a question to kind of think through this. Now, this is something, by the way, that I didn't come up with uh, by myself, all right? This is something that our church has developed over the past several years, all right? And so we are just providing that for you. So the first thing is life with God. We're focusing on spiritual formation and worship, And here's the question, where will prayer, Bible study, and worship lead me? So how do we see this play out in our church? Well, first, disciples worship with the church regularly or weekly. Hebrews 10 tells us, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. People in this day were also saying, hey, I got this personal relationship thing going on with Jesus. I don't need anybody else. And yet he said, no, there is something about gathering together that we are not supposed to neglect. Somehow God is glorified, yes, in your own individual lives as you worship him, but he is glorified in a unique way when we come together corporately to worship him. You see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, this idea of corporately worshiping worshiping together to glorify God. And there's something unique about that that you cannot do by yourself. The second thing is study God's word daily. Second Timothy tells us that all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, rebuking, correction, training in righteousness, so that why we can be equipped for every good Work. If you believe that the scriptures are the best way to know God's will, 
his way of life, his way of thinking, his way of action, then we cannot treat it as it is secondary. It has to be primary for us as a disciple, and we need to be going to it daily. Now, for some of you, that's going to look like a deep spiritual dive, right? You like getting into there. You like looking up commentaries, doing all that kind of stuff. There's a time and place for that. For others of you, you know what the first step is? In the morning, go to your Bible app and just have it play and listen to it. For some of you, like I have some students that are like, hey, I'm not really good at reading. We live in a great age where you can listen to it, right? They even have hip-hop apps. They have hip-hop music with scripture. Like you can get whatever you want. I'm just telling you, there's no excuse to every day thinking about his word and having it in your life. We are to encounter God's presence in prayer frequently. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that we ask anything according to his will and he hears us. We have been given unbelievable access to God the Father, and yet we act as if we are just so far removed from him. We have the power to ask and to pray and to be with our Father and to, and to pray to God and just relish in his presence. We have that ability to do that. So whether you're just starting out and you're learning methods like the Acts method, or maybe you're taking time just to meditate throughout the day, prayers to the Lord. The goal for every disciple is to get to a point where we are walking with the Lord and prayer is continually on our lips. When we see something and it just reminds us, hey, let's go ahead and pray about that. It's so that when people say, hey, will you pray about me? You're not just sitting there saying, hey, I'm gonna offer up a 30 second prayer and then move on with my day. But continually throughout the day, you are intercessing for people because they've asked for prayer. That's the type of prayer life we long to see in our disciples. We also want to live in full surrender to God's word constantly. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Now, this is a play on the Old Testament sacrificial system. Let me ask you a question. Could you be half of a sacrifice in the Old Testament? No. You gave the whole sacrifice to the Lord. In the same way, we're being told here is this. We are to fully surrender. Now, we're not going to be perfect at that. But as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, my guess is going to be that he is going to reveal things to you as the years go on. That you're like, wow, I can't believe I didn't see that before. I really need to take care of that thing. That's what growing in our relationship with Jesus does. We continually, to con- we continually uh, su- surrender to the Lord daily. And as we do that, we find ourselves growing. Last within this section is practicing the disciplines of spiritual formation. I won't harp on this too long because we talked about it a couple weeks ago. But James 1 tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And 1 Timothy tells us to train ourselves in godliness for the training that we have in our bodily, bodily training is a value, but godliness is a value in every way. We are to practice the disciplines. Listen, spiritual formation does not happen through osmosis. Do you know what that is? You just absorb it. No, you have to practice if we want to see growth. 
Let's move on. The second mark of a maturing and growing disciple's life with influence. This emphasizes discipleship. Who am I investing in as they grow spiritually and vice versa? Who's speaking into your life? What I want to emphasize here is that we are to intentionally invest in the relationships that we have with others in a deep way. Hebrews 3 tells us this, take care, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the reality that we had at the start. What the author is emphasizing here is this. There's an element to which we need each other in our daily lives so that we don't develop a hardening of heart. Now, could we meet every day as a church together? Sure, we could do that. Would it be effective? Probably not. What we see in scripture and even in Jesus's example is that he has a small group of people that he is investing in and he tells them to do the same thing. There are people, you need people in your life that you talk to daily, that you can ask for prayer daily, that you can encourage one another daily. Now, it doesn't have to be um, kind of through one of our programs. Like people do this organically sometimes. However, this is a heartbeat of our D groups. They're smaller groups. We want you to be investing and connecting with each other daily in those D groups. Some of our community groups experience some of this as well. But the goal is, who do you have that is investing in you spiritually? And who are you investing in? Some of you are baby Christians and you just need someone to pour into you. We have people here who are willing to do that. Some of you are so mature and wise in your faith and you're keeping all that wisdom and practical living up here when people need to hear it. And there's people who need to know what you have to offer spiritually because they're walking through a stage of life that they don't know about, but you do because you've walked through it. We need to be investing in others. Second, we are to be giving others permission to ask about and speak into my life, our lives. James also says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. How vulnerable are you with brothers and sisters in Christ that you obviously have some confidence in, right? You've developed that relationship and now you're holding each other to this standard. We are to live a life that models Christ's likeness to others. It tells us to be imitators of God as dear children, walking in love. Christ also loved us, gave himself up for us. So when we consider discipleship, we are to do what God has called us to do. And he tells us, you are to be imitators to do what? Love and be sacrificial. That's what he's calling us to do in our discipleship. Life with impact, life with impact. This emphasizes generosity. What needs am I meeting through giving and serving? 
Romans 12 tells us, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with uh, diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. He just says, listen, you are all giving gifts. We're all part of this body of Christ that we are a part of. And we've all been given a gift to use that. What happens when the leg stops working? The church stops slowing down. What happens when the mouthpiece isn't preaching or teaching or evangelizing for those that have that gift? Well, people are not going to hear the gospel. What happens when the hands stop working? Well, we're going to turn inward and only be about us. The reality is that all of us have been given gifts and abilities to use for his church. And he calls us to do that. There's not excuses for Christians who deny their spiritual giftings. In fact, I think that grieves the Holy Spirit when he gives us a gift and we keep it to ourselves. We're to recognize and meet the needs around us. If you're part of a D group, you've walked through this in James chapter two. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one says to him, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't actually give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, it doesn't have works. Uh, faith doesn't have works. It's dead by itself. The whole idea is this, that when we recognize the needs that are going around us, we need to be generous, cheerful givers to those needs. What good is it if we see someone hurting and yet don't provide the thing that they need? Here's the reality. The reason why as Fairview Church, we do a lot of uh, met needs It's because we understand that sometimes people won't hear the gospel until a physical need is met. This is why we do things like a food pantry that our family ministry just did a drive with this last week. Why? Because people who come to get our, grab our food, we get to have an, an engagement with them. We can develop a relationship with them that will lead to the gospel. When we take our missions trips through in the summer, we get to work with people and administer a felt need oftentimes. Why? So that we can get to the spiritual need that they actually have. A life with impact is a life that is generous, giving to the needs of the body so that we can meet those needs and see his kingdom expand. Life with purpose. Life with purpose. This is focused on evangelism. And the question is this, who am I introducing Jesus to? For some of you, you're on board with this whole thing until this one. You're like, oh, evangelism, I don't, it seems a little nerve wracking for me to share my faith. I get that, I understand that. Jesus though tells us to display the love of Jesus to everyone that we encounter. For example, in John 13, he says, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, look at this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. We are called to approach everyone with a spirit of love. Why? Because if you don't, they probably won't hear your gospel message. Every opportunity that you look out on should be a gospel opportunity. Now, here's something that I've noticed. Again, a couple years ago, Amber and I moved here from D.C. to Lebanon. I'm just gonna let you know this. Those are two different cultures, okay? I don't know if you know this. D.C. is a lot different than Lebanon, Tennessee, and Wilson County. In D.C., in my neighborhood alone, less than 2% of the people gave their life, were, were Christians, were, had documented that. So when I went to a grocery store, I knew that pretty much every single person I met did not have a relationship with Jesus. 
Now, when you come to Lebanon, D.C., what's the first you think? What's the first thing you think about? Hey, what church do you go to? Right? That's normally the question that you ask. Why? Because there's a larger majority of people here who are Christians or claim to be Christians. Here, we have a challenge in Wilson County in Lebanon. We need to not think, hey, what church does that person go to? We need to think like we're living in D.C. Does that person know Jesus? If we get into a mindset that people probably go to a church or they're probably engaged in another faith thing, then we will miss opportunities to share our faith. It's not uncommon, by the way, for a student to tell me, hey, I don't actually have any friends that are non-believers. All of our group is just together all the time. Now, I don't want to harp on this, but I'm going to. If your disposition, I get the balance of wanting to protect our kids and our students. I get the balance that's there. So I don't want to say that we're not, we shouldn't do that. I get the balance. But if we are living in such a way that we're closing out all non-believers and our access to them, how can we expect our students and our kids to be passionate about evangelism? passionate about sharing the gospel. And I'm not talking about drive-by evangelism, where we just knock on doors, where there's a, there's a space for that in evangelism. I'm talking about relational evangelism. I'm talking about the type of evangelism where you are building into somebody's life sacrificially so that even if they never come to know Jesus, they look back at you and say, wow, that is a great representative of what it means to be a Christ follower. Because I guarantee you, when you relationally build in non-believers' lives, you may not have a conversation right away, but something that will happen in their life, and guess what's gonna happen? They will go to you. Why? Because you're different. We need to do this then by equipping ourselves by knowing the gospel message. We need to be equipped in that. We need to know how to share our faith and build into our relationships. The problem is every evangelism training that we've done so far the past few years, the same 10 people show up at, the ones that are passionate about evangelism. We have to engage with our culture. Why? Because policies, all of the other things that we wanna trust in, yeah, they may influence culture, but you know what changes people? Jesus does. And that's where we need to stake our foundation upon. First Peter 3 tells us that we are to, in our hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Look at this, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. And so we look for these relational opportunities for gospel conversations to happen so that we can give our hope. Romans 10, 14 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, I want you to think about this. He mentions five things here. Those who call on the name of the Lord are people who have believed. If people believe in the message, it means that they've heard the message If they've heard the message, that means that somebody told them about it. And if somebody told them about it, it means God has sent them. I heard one pastor say, where is the only passage or only breakdown in this passage? Well, let's look at it. Does God still send people? Yes, he does. 
Will people call on the name of the Lord if they believe? Yes, they will. Will they believe if they hear? Well, some will, some won't, but they still need to hear. So in this passage, the only breakdown is when God sends his people and yet they do not go and tell. This is our call as disciples. A mature, growing disciple finds ways to preach and share the message of Jesus and his gospel and what he came to do. Last but not least, life with connection. This emphasizes community. Who am I locking arms with as we grow together in true freedom? Now, this is different than the discipleship piece. That's more about investment. Who's investing in you and who are you investing in? This one's more about support and connection. Who am I locking arms with? This means joining and regularly participating in a group. Acts 2 tells us every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. Galatians 6 tells us to carry one another's burdens. 1 Thessalonians 5 says we are to encourage one another and build each other up. We recognize that while Jesus had the group of three, right, his, his inner circle, where more discipleship could happen, he also had the twelve. This is where we want to emphasize our community groups, being a part in a group where you can support one another. Can I just tell you a victory, a celebration that we should have as a church? We have been trying desperately to launch and break, uh, break into this 1045 hour with a successful community group. And it's been difficult. And so we spent the summer working alongside um, the Bristos and the Matthews and some others to multiply their group so that they can launch at 1045. It has been extremely, extremely successful. We've had folks who were never a part of a group finally start going to a group. We've had people who were disconnected become reconnected because there was a new group that was forming. What God has done is get us to a point where now we're like, hey, we're probably in the next couple of months gonna have to multiply that group because it's going so well. Can I tell you also, because we've offered this, our first service has been growing as well because people are in there of similar demographics. Listen, what God is doing is amazing amongst our groups. He has allowed us to have successful groups that now are ready to multiply into new groups so that more people can get engaged in this community of faith. That is something that we should celebrate because it is something that is good. Multiplying is a good thing because it creates more connection. Life with God, life with impact, life with influence, life with purpose, life with connection. These are the marks of a growing disciple. As I said at the beginning, if you're at this church and you consider this your home, you're on a pathway. This is what we would long to see in your life and we wanna help you. So if you're weak in an area, help us help you. Make a plan and a goal for the future. If you're strong in one of these areas, use it for the body. Use the giftings God has given you. If you're new with us and you're checking us out, this is who we are. This is what we value. If this excites you, we want you to be a part of this fellowship. If this scares you, sorry. This is who we are. We want to see every single person growing in their relationship with Jesus and we want it to impact the world. We want to see our neighbors come to the true freedom that God longs for them to have 
but it only comes through full surrender and it starts with disciples offering ourselves in full surrender to him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we have your word to rely on and to show us what a disciple is. Thank you for this series. I know it was convicting for me in areas where I've been weak or I've, I've slacked off in. And the call that you've given us, being a disciple of Jesus is not easy, Lord. It's not. But God, it's so wonderful and I'm so grateful for it. Help us to have that attitude. We are searching after you consistently, that we're your disciples listening to you and we're shaping our lives around that truth that you are a master, you are our rabbi, you are our teacher, you are our philosopher, and we are your disciples. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.